Now, it's Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard, Certified Practicing Accountant and Financial Advisor. Today, Stephen's going to take a look at uh, bonds and the and interest rates as well with Richard Murphy from the Australian Bond Company. We'll also have our market update as we normally do with Henry Jennings and um, currencies and commodities. And of course, I'm going to ask him about the budget. Yeah. Stephen Pritchard, we did have a budget. It has certainly been an interesting year and there's been some interesting things in the budget this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the government's um, trying to rely on uh, increased spending on the economy to uh, to get us out of the, um, the recession and, and going forward. So, so they've introduced a number of tax incentives. Some individuals are, uh, individuals are all getting a, a tax cut. So um, anyone who pays tax will have um, more money in their pocket and, I, and and that's backdated to the 1st of July. And I would assume that what's going to happen in the next... Well, I mean, it's not quite clear how this is going to be implemented yet, but we're probably not next week. Um, I assume what's going to happen is that weekly pay-as-you-go scales are going to be adjusted from probably the next pay period when the ATA brings them out. And um, you'll probably pay less tax each week and, and probably incorporate the additional tax cut from July. So so that's going to give more money in the pocket uh, for people to... Um, spend. Government's hoping to spend. Um, I saw one of the local uh, building societies thinks that people are going to pay it off their home loan. So that's going to be interesting to see. But yes, the government wants people to spend it. Um, and uh, welfare recipients and, and uh, are going to receive a uh, additional grant. I think it's $500 from memory. And, and the big thing for businesses is this instant asset write-offs being uh, the caps basic being removed for most people so that means if you've got a um we, we already had one of 150,000 but say you've got a you know a couple of trucks that need replacing and trucks are quite expensive these days um you can you can go and buy a, a new truck and get an instant tax deduction for that which you which you would have had to have taken over four or five years in the past so amazingly the government's trying to 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 bring investment in in businesses forward by by allowing you instant tax write-offs for sort of stuff that was spread over the Mm. Of course, the downside of that is you're going to pay more tax in the future when you don't not. Get when you the, haven't got the deduction, you haven't got the deduction. Yeah. But, I mean, the deduction up front's better than one over five years. Anyway. Yes, true. Yeah. So we might take another look um, at. Uh, other we'll have a look at that next week when, next when week. it's a bit clearer what yeah. how some of this stuff's going to be implemented. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. In the meantime, um, how's gold going? Uh, gold gold was up thirty eight dollars and sixty four cents an ounce to two thousand six hundred eighty dollars, and the crude oil price was up a dollar seventy three a barrel to fifty eight dollars and seventy nine cents. Um, the Australian dollar. Was, was was down across the board this week. Um, uh, against the US dollar, we're 71.39. The Great British Pound, we're 55.26 pence. Uh, the Euro, we're 60.67 Euro cents. So um, Australian dollar's worth less. Uh, the All Ordinaries was up, up the week, um, up 215 points to 6,284. Uh, the S&P 500 was also up 38 points to 3,416. The UK index was, the UK FTSE was up 66 points to 5,946. So equity markets generally around the world were higher. Um, some stocks um, that uh, local people tend to like. Um, BHP was up 31 cents, which was $36.60. CBA was up a whopping $3.73 to $67.77, which is up almost 6% on the week. And, and NIB was up uh, 20 cents to $4.35, which is almost 5% of the week. So, okay. you know, 
some yeah, things are up. Some things mm. are up. Um, we don't actually have the fuel prices for some uh, technical difficulties. Yes. Week. It's a secret this it's week, secret, is it? Secret, yes. That's <laughs> uh, the NRMA website. It's the NRMA yeah, website. So. It, it, yes. The, the data didn't come across. So yeah. you might be able to go on and check yourself. It might be back up. Yeah, but I don't think it was yesterday. But I don't know. And I saw something in that came with my licence renewal that the government's got some fuel comparison website now as oh, well. Oh, there you go. Maybe so that's what we perhaps should, we should look at the NRMA part one and the government one and see if they're the same. How they go. Someone, one, of the, one of the listeners can do that. Uh, yeah, let us know how you let go. Know. And our market update with Henry Jennings from Marcus today. And uh, Stephen Pritchard, plenty of things to ask Henry today. Plenty of things to ask Henry. Um, um, so, 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 yeah, so Henry's back. He uh, was playing me, uh, television star last week, but oh, was well. ba- back mm. to poor radio this week. Um, the poor cousin of the multimedia Well, I've got a better head for radio, Stephen. <laughs> That's a good saying, Henry. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, um, uh, uh, so you'll be down at the Crown Resorts Inquiry. Everyone else seems to be down there. Uh, yeah, I was... Uh, I mean, I've been watching with fascination, I think we all have, with uh, Mr. Packer's testimony um, in the last few days. I think he's up for his third day today. Um, It doesn't really seem to have um, had much of an effect on the share price, I have to say, which I I guess is responding to different um, events. But um, I was interested to to hear that he's actually, um, he's doing uh, his, his testimony from his super yacht via Skype. Oh, he's not actually at the inquiry, oh. No, apparently not. No, I I thought he was. Apparently he's um, he's sitting in a stateroom somewhere in the Mediterranean or or wherever his yacht happens to be, and he's um, chatting um, from there. So, (laughs) yeah, half your luck, I guess. Well, uh, to him, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, But, um, you know, the the Crown Casino in Sydney gets gets, uh, more and more finished day by day, and, of course, that's going to be the big hope for him going forward, but uh, he certainly had a, an interesting time at the um, inquiry, that's for sure, and um, it does, does seem to have exposed rather a lot of issues, and, and he does seem to be throwing a few people under the bus as well. Mm, well, someone's got to go under the bus. Well, maybe he's not throwing under the bus, but maybe he's throwing them under the super yacht. <laughs> well, the same result, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, maybe Especially it's Especially he's got a propeller on the yacht. Kill or Heel hauled under the super yacht as opposed to thrown under the bus. Oh, well, anyhow. Um, Or it could be thrown under the ARB. I mean, the ARB, which is the makers of, uh, for all those four-wheel drive enthusiasts, the the, the premier bull bar type things and accessories, and uh, they've had amazing quarter. Amazing. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, there's certainly some unexpected... Uh, implications from COVID. One of those, of course, is that we're not going anywhere in a hurry overseas, um, nor are we going to get anybody from overseas here. So people are spending their stimulus checks or their whatever money they've got um, on uh, tarting up their four-wheel drives. And of course, with the uh, the government stimulus as well, uh, with business expenses, etc., uh, those write-offs, uh, I would imagine there's going to be another rush to buy the ute. I, I think there's a five-month wait or something for one of the Mazda Utes. Oh, is there? Yeah, uh, which is extraordinary. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's about getting product. and it, Part of the uh, the issue for ARB has been about getting product because there has been, uh, they do manufacture in Thailand, so it has been a, a bit of an issue for them, but they seem to be overcoming it. And uh, you know, like the home renovation, like the home cocooning that we've been doing, 
like our Netflix obsessions, mm-hmm. etc., um, putting uh, toys on your ute or your four-wheel drive to get into the great outdoors has been good business, and uh, they have been doing uh, very well, as has most of the car sector, and even used cars at the moment have been... Um, the prices have been going up as the, the, you can't get hold of uh, new cars because of supply issues. So it's not just the Mazda Utes that are in short supply, but also um, also other makes of cars. So oh, oh. It's, uh, well, it's, well, it's a funny world, isn't it? I haven't been in the market for a car, so... I'm, no, uh, I, I haven't either, but um, it is a funny old world, that's yes. for sure. And then um, Northern Star's bidding for bidding $5.6 billion for another gold mining company. Well, they they call this a merger of equals. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yes. <laughs> Two <laughs> but, big holes merging together. But it's not really much... Well, there's a bit of equality, I guess. Um, th- this was always, always on the cards. Both Northern Star and Saracen uh, have, in the last year or so, bought uh, the Super Pit in Kalgoorlie, mm-hmm. which is uh, a massive hole in the ground that's been going for 125 years, I think. And this is the first time that it will be owned by one owner. It's always been owned by overseas people in conjunction with somebody else, or it's always been a joint venture, and it, uh, currently it is a 50-50 joint venture between Northern Star and Saracen. So it kind of makes a lot of sense for the two companies to put themselves together. Uh, that merger of equals, Northern Star will end up with a 60% uh, control, and uh, Saracen will end, sh- shareholders will end up with 40% of the new company, uh, and their biggest asset, of course, will be that super pit. And the market has warmed to this deal, mainly because uh, there's a lot of synergies to come out of uh, the cost base, I guess, with one company under one umbrella managing one big asset. There's also a number of other assets which are of interest to the market as well. There's a Canadian project, Pogo, uh, which has been quite interesting. So, yes, it, it, it seems to be a good deal, and what it will do as well is set off a spate of mergers and acquisitions in the gold miners as well because it's possible that Northern Star and Saracen may jettison some of their projects uh, to concentrate on the super pit. So it's also potentially that some people may leave because of this merger of equals um, and they will want to go and set up their own gold mines and maybe pick off their own favourite assets. So there's there's a lot more to play out, I think, in the gold mining sector for sure with the fallout from this one. And we're in the middle of our market update with Henry Jennings from Markers Today and Stephen Pritchard. The talk is now of babies. Baby bunting. Yes. Baby bunting's heading for a bumper, they said. A bumper <laughs> December half. Well, what else have people been doing during COVID lockdown? <laughs> well, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> well, it's, Started it's in March, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you can just... Uh, it's a question of the maths, really, isn't it? Yes, you can, just, yes, you uh, can just work out the maths on this, but certainly um, these guys seem to be getting a bump. The, the good news for baby bunting is they went through a period where they kind of um, saw off the competition a couple of years ago. There was some price discounting, um, and some of their competition went to the wall... Um, and wailing all the way. And um, baby bunting have kind of emerged as one of the, probably the biggest in Australia, standalone uh, baby products business. I mean, there's Target and there's Kmart, etc., which are obviously bigger in terms of uh, some of their sales. But baby bunting is is that speciality niche retailer. So it's been doing very, very well. Um, And it's all about store rollout, and it's all about demographics, I suspect. But uh, at the moment... 
um, with um, demographics in their favour and the store rollout giving them opportunities, it looks to be good. And they seem to be uh, pushing into New Zealand as well, um, which, again, they've been in lockdown too, so... <laughs> yes. You do the math. And then... Um Origin Energy, which which I've been having a thing of this, but Origin Energy had to back down on the new CO bonus scheme as the shareholders got upset. Mm. And um, the chairman made an interesting comment that um, that they had to change the scheme because it 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 wasn't attracting the right calibre of person that they wanted. So. Right. If you think that through, does that mean that the CEO, the current CEO, is not the right calibre of person? Yeah, I bet the CEO was dead chuffed to hear that. <laughs> well, that's what the chairman said. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet that, was, uh, that was a real nice one to go home and say, hey, darling, do you know what happened today at the AGM? <laughs> <laughs> they say it's, um, it's always necessary to get behind someone to stab them in the back properly, and uh, that doesn't seem to have really been, um, been much of a problem for the chairman. It seems to be front and centre, and, and stabbing his CEO in the, in the front. Well, I'm not sure well. whether he meant it, but it was just me right. thinking, it may, have, it may have been a slip of the, slip of the tongue, yes, yes. Uh, or it may have been uh, alluding to something else. But Origin has been under a cloud for some time, as has you know, the energy providers, both of them. AGL has been in the firing line too, and uh, I guess part of that is because they're retail-facing. They have uh, both Origin and AGL both uh, rely on a retail component mm-hmm. to their business in, in terms of uh, charging people for electricity, etc., um, which has... I guess been problematic during a, uh, a, a an economic crisis and a recession with people facing hardship, um, etc. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's hard to get excited about Origin at the moment. I must admit, but at least shareholders look as if they've got their way. Starting to flex their muscle a bit. Yeah, and that's good to see, isn't it? I mean, it's good to see activist shareholders getting behind. Uh, uh, a CEO and uh, making sure that they keep them honest, that's for sure, rather than the blatant sort of extravagance which um, we've seen in the past. Mm. And I thought we'd just quickly touch on, you know, a couple of months ago, probably lots of portfolio managers were having, you know, 100% cash, 50% cash. Do you know what's happening now? Um, well, um, I think they're certainly <coughs> down to much lower uh, levels of cash. Uh, we were 100% cash at one stage, as, as listeners will probably know, and we're, we've been building up and we're probably going almost to 100% invested, which seems a bit of an anathema given the risks involved in the next uh, month or so. But, um, you know, the market likes stimulus. We've now, and certainly in Australia, we've had a one-two killer punch. We've had uh, stimulus from the RBA with rate cuts, and we've had the stimulus from the budget, which seems to have been taken very positively, and um, that seems to be the, the sort of modus operandi for central banks and governments around the world, although the Americans are still struggling with their stimulus payments to get that through, on again, off again. So the, the, I think basically funds are probably a little bit more pragmatic, and at the end of the day, you know, when you invest your money with an uh, equity fund manager, you do tend to want him to invest in equities, and you can also you know, manage your own risk profile if you've got a you know, a certain amount of money to yep. invest. You can put 10% with one manager, 10% with another manager, and keep the other 80% in cash. If yep. if, if if you are nervous, um, you don't want to give 10% to one fund and another 10% to the other fund and find they're both invested in cash, and you're effectively 100% cash when you actually wanted to be 20% in shares. So um, I think most people 
are certainly playing down the cash holdings at the moment, maybe taking out some uh, derivatives exposure through options or futures in terms of uh, the risks that appear on the horizon, and, and there are a few, but uh, the market seems to be in a, in a place, well, here we are, we're nearly 6,100 mm-hmm. on our index today, and it seemed only the other day that we were languishing, going nowhere, going sideways. Yes. Yes. Um, at um, you know, 5,800. Well, because the big uncertainty coming up is the U.S. election and what's happening there. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just watching the uh, the uh, the Joe, the Mike Pence and uh, Kamara Harris debate. Oh. debate at the moment. It's certainly um, a lot more dignified from both of them than the uh, the previous uh, debate. That's for sure. So. Well, I'm sure we'll have more comments on the UN action in the next month, so... Uh, well, not long now, is it? Uh, a month or something, isn't it? Yeah. As, long, as long as there is a, as a result, um, a significant result either way, I think the market will be happy now. They've almost come to terms with a blue wave from uh, the Democrats, if that's possible. So um, either Trump wins or Biden wins, what we don't want is a close contest and legal and constitutional ramifications in the mm. Supreme Court, that would be not much fun. Stephen Pritchard, um, bond, the bond market the and bond market, interest rates as well. Rates, and cash. we're joined now by Richard Murphy, who's CEO of the Australian Bond Company. He's got it all at his fingertips. Yes, Richard knows everything about fixed interest and cash, don't you, Richard? Hi, Stephen. How are you? We, have, we haven't spoken since the crisis, you and I. Yes, yes. Um, so the the RBA's uh, announced this week they're holding interest rates where they are. The budget, um, the budget, budget came out. So, so what effect that's going to happen on the cash rates? Think and what does the market think is going to happen here with all of this? Yeah. So, so there were some banks that their their economists thought there might be another cut, um, but. In the end, that didn't happen. Obviously, um, leave it leave it where it is um, at already emergency levels, super low levels. And really, the, the RBA was saying in statements they made earlier that let's let the government now do some more work on this. So we're we're in charge of monetary policy, interest rates. Let the government do more work on fiscal policy, you know, spending. And so, effectively, that's what the budget has done, of course, which you know is a is a budget for the time. It's a budget of spend, 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 and, and trying to give money back in, into the community, into the to people, to corporations, etc., and get infrastructure and investment going. So, really, really, what we're seeing, and this is happening all around the world, is there has to be um, stimulus spending by the governments. There has to be these super low interest rates, whether it's a cash rate overnight or all the way out to you know thirty-year bonds are being issued now at ridiculously low. Um, ridiculously low levels, like unrealistic levels, as Bill Goss, one of the global titans of fixed income, said, this is just not realistic, these interest rates. But they're, they're, they're where they're at, because they have to be there, because, you know, we're in this terrible dual crisis of, you know, health driven initially, and then that obviously forces the government to kind of drive the economy into siding, and, and until we kind of deal with the health crisis. So it, it, it is, it's, it's going to remain this way for a considerable period of time and of course for mum and dad investors out there probably looking at the return deposits uh, they're probably getting less than 1% on everything now if you're getting more if you're getting 1% or more you're doing extremely well but more likely than not you're getting less than 1% yeah, it's very difficult to get 1% 
Yeah, yeah. It's very difficult. And so the market seems to think that the the rates are going to stay down for um, a considerable amount of time. I mean, yep, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the 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 Fed, US Fed, which is our equivalent of the RBA, um, they they basically said we're going to have to keep interest rates down here um, for some years to come, and also we'll have to do this bond buying program, which keeps the long term interest rates down, not just overnight. Um, interest rates that are, you know, the cash rate at super low levels, it's all the way up, 10, 15, 20-year um, bond rates, which set mortgage rates and things like that, um, are at super, super low levels to try and stimulate um, economies um, out of the, the rut that we're in. Yeah, so, of course, people, uh, the retail investors are continuing to um, put money into um, um, term deposits with the, with the bank, and so they're... What, what they record holdings as well? Uh, yes, they, they keep on going up and up. So the, the, there's now, last time we spoke, it was just under a trillion. It's now tipped over that number, a milestone of a trillion dollars in household deposits. And the big growth area there has been turned deposits since the, since the GFC. And obviously the interest rates are going in the wrong direction for, uh, that you're getting going in the wrong direction for the investors because... You know, while you were getting 5% turn deposits five, six years ago, um, as you say, you can't really get 1% now no matter how, how long you leave it in the bank. Um, so the money's going in there, and of course people are getting out of that and jumping into equities. But the problem with, with that is that the equity market is pumped up with helium, effectively, by these low interest rates, that these prices in the equity market, why, why are we getting all-time highs in equities left, right, and center all around the world? when we know the economies are in trouble uh, and there's still a health crisis. So that's, that's just illogical. And the reason is that the interest rates are super low and that just pumps up the share prices. And there's really nothing we can do about it. But, you know, it, and it's, it's got bubble and crash written all over it. So I, I really worry about people taking money out of the charter deposit, particularly when they're older, and pumping it into shares. If suddenly, A, suddenly the dividends couldn't be paid in those shares because in a year's time, you know, the vaccine didn't come and some companies mm-hmm. weren't able to restart this or that. And suddenly, coup- dividends are cut, and, but also the share prices could fall and suddenly retirees are losing at the absolutely wrong time. So um, that's why the, the term deposit money is going up because there's a lot of sensible people out there who realize, well, at least my cash in a bank, if I put in $100, I'll get the $100 back so the bank doesn't collapse. It's not going to turn into $50. Yeah, I mean, there's still a number of people who, who, who are, um, you know, taking money out of their term deposits or whatever, whatever cash or bank accounts or credit accounts or whatever they've got, and 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 looking at investing in the equity market to uh, get a higher dividend. But they, they, some of them don't seem to appreciate the banks have already cut their dividends, and yeah. and, and it'd be quite possible that they could cut them again, and, and so they. They put this money in there expecting to get a higher dividend and the higher dividend doesn't eventuate and then they make a capital loss as well. So, yeah, um, yeah. exactly. So we might just come back in a minute and talk about um, what alternatives are to the equity markets and if you want a bit more yield on your income. And we are speaking with Richard Murphy from the Australian Bond Company about bonds and interest rates. And uh, we are talking about the the bond market and interest rates with Richard Murphy, Stephen Pritchard. So so investors have got money in term deposit. Um, They're looking for a a higher income. 
Um, they don't want to take on the risk of equity markets to to get the dividends. Um, where else can they go? There are clearly a lot of other places they can go, and what they need to think about is risk versus return. So you've mentioned equities, shares, and clearly you will get a better return for greater risk. The risk is that that all goes pear-shaped, as you, as you describe. So they need to be careful about looking where somebody's saying, oh, get 5% and above, get 7% and above, get 8% and above. Each one of those is getting riskier and riskier and riskier, and the chance of that risk coming out is getting higher and higher and higher. So if you look at where turn deposits are at 1%, well, where can you get 2%? Not a great deal more, but it's twice as much. Twice as much. Income is coming, so it's twice as much. You can get 2%, uh, 2.2%, 2.4%, 2.5%, up to 3%, low threes, from investment-grade corporate bonds. So you're lending your money to the company. Instead of lending it to the bank, you're lending it to companies from um, Telstra, you know, Dexas, the property trust, um, Qantas. The Qantas is clearly riskier. So you can lend money now to Qantas or you can buy their bonds and you're getting um, low threes to, to low fours in terms of return. But then the question is, oh gosh, will Qantas fall over like Virgin did? My personal view is that's not going to happen. But that's the risk when you're lending to, when you're buying corporate bonds is will that company survive? And you think, well, the biggest companies in Australia, they've all raised equity capital. Qantas has raised billions of dollars in recent times now um, um, over the last year because it is in trouble. It, it's, you know, its airline industry has been shut down by the government. Um, so Qantas is not in the same position it was a year ago, but it still, it still is able to raise money. So Qantas is probably the riskiest proposition in the, in the top 100 now in terms of bond issuers, whereas Telstra is still very, very safe. And the big property trusts are still um, quite safe as well. So all of all of those are yielding just a bit more than your turn deposit, and you're basically going up that that risk curve. You're saying, well, I'm taking on a bit more risk, um, and I'm getting a bit more return. And if I go to Qantas, I'm taking on quite a bit more risk than a turn deposit, but I'm getting quite a bit more return. So, so basically, if something if something were to go wrong. Um, the, the shareholders uh, kind of lose all their money first, and then that's the bondholders who 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 are next on the, the uh, on the the chopping block, so to speak. So yeah, so they're got... higher up. So bondholders in, in investment grade companies that do collapse, and it, it it's happened twice in the last twenty or thirty years in Australia. Babcock and Brown did collapse, and Zinefex collapsed. But in in the, in the sort of what do they, what do they get? How many cents in the dollar do they get? At investment grade level, it is it has been historically they get sixty percent, seventy percent of their money back if there is a, a default. And that's the benefit of holding bonds because, as you say, if you hold shares, you get nothing. Yeah, nothing back. That's right. That's right. And so, so how many kind of uh, of these type of bonds are now listed on ASX? Is the list still expanding there? Uh, there's there's another eight coming out. Another um, eight XCBs, which are um, the exchange Trade traded bonds. versions yep. where, you, where you can buy them in a hundred dollar lots. And they're they're all yielding between mid twos to mid threes, because that's that's all you can get for investment grade now. I mean, it sounds very very low, but it's all relative. It's relative to whereas the overnight cash rate, you know, as close to zero as as it can get, and turn deposits are all less than one percent. So they're really the next cab off the rank in terms of what's what's slightly riskier corporate bonds of ASX 100 companies. And so there's about there's about um, 35 to 40 of those across typical names in the ASX 100. Yeah, so there's a, there, so so once again you can you can you know 
you can diversify some of your risk by by holding um, bonds in different companies and different different sectors. And, you know, to put it in perspective, if you've got if you've got you know two hundred thousand dollars you want to invest. Um, and it's in a term deposit at the moment. You, you you're probably getting two thousand dollars by by investing it in um, corporate bonds. You can you can talk about four four um, four to maybe five thousand dollars there. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah. sort of yeah, yeah. Not a, it's, it's not a great deal more, but it's better than what That's you're double. getting term deposit. Yeah, double, yeah, double, yeah. Okay, well, thanks for that, Richard. Um, I'll talk to you again in a few months. All right, thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Richard. And keep up the good work. That is Richard Murphy from the Australian Bond Company. And that brings Thursday Finance to an end. Uh, Thank you very much, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. And we'll be back next Thursday on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.